Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Let's praise be to God. I hope you're well. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. And uh, it's time for us, time of the study of the Word of God. And we are handling the book of Matthew. And uh, we have handled 32 verses of this chapter. And uh, where we closed off, we looked at uh, Jesus telling his disciples, telling everybody, because you and me are the disciples that we are talking about here, that uh, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. It's better for you to lose it than your whole body to get into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, for it's better for you. Lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. And we saw the significance of that, that it may not literally mean that you get a knife or get uh, something and cut in literal sense, pluck out your eye. No, that's not the uh, direct meaning. But it could imply that if there's anything that is causing you to stumble, you get rid of it. And we looked at that. It can be friends. It can be your work, the nature of business you're doing. It can be a relationship uh, that is causing you trouble, making you stumble, making you fall. you rather lose that relationship than uh, end up in the pits of hell. And uh, Jesus was very, very clear on that. And uh, we want to complete this chapter today. Verse 31, it was said. He goes on and tells them. Remember, we talked about this. It was said that it is a statement that implies this you've heard before. Yeah, This has been taught to you before. This has been read to you before. It could be in the law of Moses. It could be in the moral code or whichever it is. But what I'm saying is not new. So whatever Jesus is speaking here is not new. They've heard before. It has been told to them before. And um, the teachers, the other Jewish teachers, have also been reemphasizing this. So he says in 31 that it was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Hmm? This is very key to them at this point, but he's giving reference to it and continues and says in 32, but I said to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, other versions will tell you, except for the reason of adultery, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This is what he's saying. If there are issues of adultery, then you can give that person, your wife in this case, a certificate of divorce. Of course, they would go to the council, they would sit down, issue their their, their reasonings to the council, and then they would understand, okay, this has failed. And for that matter, let's uh, sign off this marriage and then they'll give you a certificate of divorce 
And by the way, that was a very difficult thing in their culture because if you were given this certificate of divorce, remember, at the point of getting married, um, they would give the the woman dowry to go with, and normally dowry was very expensive. It was precious jewels, uh, precious metals, pre- something precious that uh, your father or mother or your family or your parents had kept for you for your time of wedding, and you'd go with that into marriage. Now, if the divorce came and you were divorced and you had to leave, you would not come back with that as a woman. You would leave it to the husband, and that was more or less like the inheritance that the woman had. So divorce in that time wasn't uh, something that any woman would desire. Yeah, But it was given to them, it was spoken uh, to them earlier on about this issue of divorce. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, When a man has taken a wife and married her, and it comes to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanliness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorce and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. Yeah, And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hates her and writes her a bill of divorce and gives it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies, which who took her to be his wife, her former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And uh, for for they had their clear uh, laws or descriptions uh, concerning divorce. That if you've been divorced, if you've been given this certificate of divorce, you can go ahead and get married. But if where you've gone, still you're divorced at the second time, all in whatever case your uh, husband dies, you cannot get back to the first one because that is defilement. So this is what had been spoken in the law of Moses to them. Now, some of them made it a habit. Yeah? If he's not happy with the food you're cooking, then he will want to write a certificate of divorce. If he's not happy with the way you look, then he would want to write a certificate of divorce. But Jesus here is very clear, and he's saying, it is for the reason of adultery that you can write the certificate of divorce. And he's making it very plain for them. It's not for any reason that you can choose to divorce. And we live right now in a time where there's a very high rate of divorce. Yeah, Most people who get married, a big number of them end up in divorce. And for reasons that you cannot even imagine. Yeah, Someone just wakes up one day and says, I'm tired of living with you. Someone just wakes up one day and says, you don't make me happy anymore. I'm not, I'm sad. I feel sad in this marriage. Someone wakes up and says, you don't cook so good. I found someone who cooks better. Then that's a reason for divorce. And all those reasons, when Jesus is speaking here, he does not consider them. The reason he tells them and considers here is the reason of unchastity or the reason of adultery. Yeah, that they has been uh, some uh, unfaithfulness that has been going on in a relationship. So there, you might have a point. But also, uh, given the big discussion that uh, this topic drags with it, that 
God hates divorce because it's spoken in scripture. God is forgiving. Can't you forgive that person if they wronged you? Now, that's a big debate, big discussion that we shall, by the way, never reach a conclusion in the Christian fraternity because everybody reads and interprets scripture in their given way. And when Jesus comes here to support it in such a manner, then somebody will hold on to that and say, no, my husband was in adultery or my wife has been in adultery and I do not have any more interest in them. So they, we will never get to a conclusion on that topic. Yeah, because there's a lot that uh, comes with it, even in interpretation of Scripture. But uh, as far as the rabbis were concerned, the, Phar- the Pharisees, those who are teaching the law, they allowed divorce for almost anything, uh, just like the Roman the, the Romans did in their law. They would allow divorce. Others uh, allowed it only if uh, there were cases of unfaithfulness. So as different teachers and different laws, some would allow anything. If you want anything, you're just tired of the marriage, leave. But then there were those who were specific, like Jesus, how he comes out here and says, it should be on the matter of unfaithfulness. So uh, you'll find that for the Jews and also for the Romans, by whom in this period are the ones ruling at the time, uh, they're the world power at this time, they were all considering adultery as the only purpose or reason for divorce. And uh, it was tragic, really, for this to come to that. But if you had stricter rabbis, yeah, they would not look at any small reasons for you as valid to leave your marriage. So Jesus uh, goes beyond that stricter position. yeah. And not only does he allow divorce only if the wife has been unfaithful, but he regards divorce for any other reason as invalid, and makes even remarriage in those cases as adulterous. You know, we have that preaching that goes on today of the grace, and everything is easier. But when you read, actually, when you read what Jesus taught, when you get down to read how Jesus was uh, interpreting scriptures for us, these which have been written, he makes it stricter. He makes it harder. So when they say the law was banned, or the law was poured down or watered down with the coming of Jesus. It's a lie. Because for him now, he even takes it at a stricter level. Jesus' interpretation of the law was stricter than what the law would say at its face value. Yeah, And no one would have thought that he's contradicting the law here or he's building a fence around the law because standard Jewish practice involved that or it meant that you do not water down the law. Yeah, it has to remain. And that Jesus did clearly. Yeah. And he says to them that if you divorce, yeah, and you leave your partner, and the matter is not because of unfaithfulness or adultery, then you go out eh, and marry another person then you are causing that person to commit adultery. He says it clear. You make, if you leave that woman on matters that are not of adultery, and she goes and gets another man, then that man is committing adultery, and this same woman is also committing adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's what Jesus said. So for, for, for all that we know, 
following him here and reading his word and understanding how many times are we going to use reasons that do not matter to leave people, to close off marriages, and how many times do we have to cause others get into adultery because of the actions that we do. This is a topic that is tough to discuss because everybody can have their own understanding of it, but here we are just discussing what Jesus said, what Jesus comes out to say, and is clear on that. And he says again in verse 33, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Jesus is practically going through the, the, the commandments, the law of Moses that was given to them. And says, you were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, all by earth, for it is a footstool of his feet, all by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, all no, no. Anything beyond this is of evil. Jesus is uh, coming out clearly here on issues of vows. This is something we easily do. You put the name of the Lord in your statement trying to prove that you're right or you're speaking the truth. But then he is saying do not make false vows. And vows, by the way, go in all ways. Some versions will say pledges. No one has forced you to say something. No one has forced you to come out and say that I'll give 10 million shillings on your wedding. Nobody has forced you. Then they start calling you month after month that we are waiting for your pledge of 10 million that you made, yet you know you will not fulfill it. You made a false pledge, false vow. No one forces you to do that. Yeah, Coming out and you swear by heaven that I'm telling the truth. I swear. We used to use that a lot in school. I don't know if it's still used right now. I swear upon the living God that I'm, the, I'm not the one who did this. I swear upon. He is very clear here. And saying you do not use the name of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1. He says, as that says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me and where is the place of my rest? You do not come out and swear by the name of the Lord. You do not swear by the throne of God. You do not swear by the earth because all that and it gives us a clear image here that God is in charge of everything. It's all his. Heaven and earth belong to him. So there's nothing you swear upon. Yeah. And you shall not make that oath. Hmm? You have no power. By the time you cannot make your hair either black or white, you have no power. So don't make such oaths. Oaths, of course, uh, they invoked uh, straight from their history and culture. When an oath was made, you invoked the witness of a deity that uh, people assumed that the deity would avenge any false appeals to his or her testimony that if I've included a god in my oath, then if I make any any issue and I don't fulfill that which I've spoken, then there's enough a false appeal that will come. There will be a repercussion with the deity that I used. So 
that's where you now have people bringing the almighty God in that. Yeah, people saw by all sorts of things uh, to testify that their word was true. And uh, they would reason that if they broke their oath based on anything lesser than that deity they've used, then at least they, they were not bringing God's name into dispute. And uh, it became necessary for rabbis to decide which oaths were completely binding and those that were not. Uh, like a small number of people uh, who would think Jesus emphasizes having such integrity that oaths are unnecessary. Integrity is enough for you that you do not require to make that oath. You have the integrity, and that's enough. And that's it. You don't need to vow. You don't need to come out and speak and say, I swear upon the living God. No, you don't need that. He says that everything which you could swear is ultimately God's. If you're using the earth, it is the Lord's. If you're using the throne of God, it is his. Everything that you're placing there belongs to God. So he demands that just simply be as good as your word. Be as good as your word. That's all that that matters. Give your word and let your word be final. I do not have to make an oath or swear by any name. Let my yes be yes and let my no be no. That's all. That's all that you require. Anything, he makes it clear, anything beyond these, yes or no, is from the evil one. Maybes don't work. Be careful when you're putting maybes because you already know the truth. Somebody comes and says, Hi, I I feel like I have picked interest in you. Uh, that could, we, could we have a relationship? Not now that's a boy talking to a girl. And then you start as a girl. I'm not sure. Uh, let me pray about it. You're not going to pray about it. You know the truth. You know that hmm, this guy doesn't work for me. Tell him no. Because now the maybes that let me pray about it is not true. You know from the depth of your heart that you're not lying. Sometimes we Christians uh, throw around that line of let me pray about it so often, yet we already know the answer. That comes from the evil one. He tells you here, if it's yes, yes, no, no. Anything beyond the yes or no is from the evil one because you're starting to lie. So be somebody of your word. If you don't want the guy, tell him it's not going to work. If you're not going to lend that guy the money, tell them that it's not going to work. I'm not going to lend you the money. Instead of saying, uh, let me pray about it or let me call you back tomorrow. You already know. Let your yes be yes, your no, no. Let it be clear. Yeah, because either way, when you say yes or no, what will happen? They will. They can't beat you. They will not do anything to you. It's your word. Yeah. And it goes on and says in verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go two with him. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This is revenge that is being spoken about here. Yeah, People who want to revenge. You did this to me? Okay. I'll wait for you. And I'll also get a time and do the same or even worse. 
This is not supposed to happen. He's practically saying, for the people who hurt you, do not take it far. If somebody has hurt you, forgive them. Do not, do not respond in similar nature or similar uh, firepower. You, you, you just have to cool down, get, be different. That's what makes us Christians, being different from others. When somebody is expecting a reaction from you and you do not give it to them, that's where they say, okay, I, I, with the way I had this person, I expected them to also do the same to me. Jesus comes out and says, it's not eye for eye, it's not tooth for tooth. If somebody has slapped your right cheek, turn to the left also. Yeah? And uh, that's very hard for us to do. Yeah, that's very hard for a human being to take. Because slap on, on, on one cheek, then you revenge. But Jesus here is saying, we do not do revenge. If somebody has hurt you, you do not revenge. Yeah. If anyone wants to sue you to take your shirt, take your coat. Now, the poorest people in their time or in their empires, of course, uh, they had only an inner garment and an outer garment. And the theft of a cloak, that which is the outer garment, would lead to a legal case. There would be a legal case. Why? that the conditions would be so bad that this cloak is what they needed when it's time to sleep because it would bring some warmth to them. And that is what Jesus is saying, give it out to. Give it out to. But that is how extreme and intense the teachings of Christ were that if you're going to suffer, you suffer. Even if they're going to torture you, suffer, but do not carry out revenge. Yeah? And... Jesus gives this advice in spite of uh, the fact that uh, under Jewish law it was a legal case to retain somebody's cloak, yeah, because it, it's something that helps somebody. Even even if there was a creditor, you could not take uh, a poor person's outer cloak because this serves as the blanket at night for them when it is cold in the night. So Jesus here is taking it a little extreme, but that is the heart that we are supposed to carry, yeah, that you are somebody of peace. You are somebody who ensures that there is peace, not revenge. And he, in 42, he says, if, give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away he, from him who wants to borrow from you. That if somebody wants to borrow something from you, give it to them. If somebody wants to borrow from you, do not turn them away. Uh, beggars in the time of Jesus were widespread. And we read through the Bible, stressing giving to those in need. And God would take care of the needs of the people, of those who go out to help the poor. And that does not change even today. Yeah, it does not change even today. You help the needy. You do not turn away those who need help. If somebody comes, if somebody does not have something to eat, and they come to you, and you you see this is genuine. Of course, all this giving uh, issue has been taken. Some play with it and mess it up, and you're on the streets, and you know these guys are just doing a business out of us. But you you can know, and the Spirit of the Lord shall speak to you and tell you this is genuine. You need to get out and help these children. You need to get out and pay school fees for that child because they are in need. And that's what Jesus says here, that you have to attend to those needs of people. If somebody wants to borrow, you get out and give to 
to them. You, you have had, as well he says, and he was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love your enemies. That is hard to do. I mean, this person hurt me. This person went out there and spoke things about me that were not right. He spoiled my name. She spoiled my name. Jesus says, love that person. What is required in the world, as it is said, as it says, is to hate that person. But you as a Christian, you who is the son of your father in heaven, who is perfect, you you have a demand here to be perfect as well and love that person. Because it's clear, and how you spoke it, that God causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good. In the shrine it will shine. Where there is a church it will shine. He causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. On the farm of a witch doctor it will rain for their produce. And it's the same story on the, son of the, on, on the, on the farm of the pastor it will rain on their produce. God does not segregate in all that. Why? He loves, but that does not imply that he wants you to remain the same. When God extends his grace over us, even when we do wrong, is not an implication that he supports that which we do which is wrong. No, he wants you to change. But that is the grace that is abandoned, that the sun will shine and the rain will fall on all the good and the evil. But that is the grace of which we should not take for granted that you need to know the time to change will have to come. And he says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We will all have stories and comments and arguments about how it's impossible to be perfect. You cannot be perfect. You cannot be perfect. You cannot live a righteous life. Oh, there are so many temptations in this world. But scripture calls us as sons of God as those in his kingdom, and says you are to be perfect just as your father is perfect. It's a demand. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Have we made an effort to achieve it or pursue it and failed? So, if Jesus says it, then it can be done. So somebody is out there today, and uh, you struggled with your Christian life, You've been convinced that you cannot live a perfect life, that you cannot be good, that you cannot be the happy person, you cannot be the person who forgives those who wrong you. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus says it's possible. Be perfect as your father is perfect. And he'll give you the grace. You don't, you're not going to do it in your power and strength and your might. No, it's by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit who is within you, he will speak to you at that point and tell you, don't, don't answer back. Yeah, they've, they've abused you, but don't answer back. Yeah, they, they, they deserve to be treated in, in the similar manner they've treated, but you be good. 
have that integrity. Love them. Love them who hurt you. And it's perfect. If we have the Holy Spirit and we listen to Him, then that message shall always ring down on us in the time of need. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your revelations today. And we pray for somebody out there who seeks you, who needs you, that you may come out and show yourself strong in their lives. We give you glory and honor. In just my name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.